greetings to all of you listening, to those who are chasing their bliss, and to those who found it and are living it every day. It's Friday, September 22nd, 2023, and this is Fortell's Fortune Told. I'm your host, Fortell. So I'm going to start this episode with something that's probably the first question that comes to your mind is, who is Fortell? Who am I? Well, I'm a Wisconsinite. I was born in Racine, Wisconsin in 1973 with those Midwestern roots and from a family of musicians and notable trumpet players and marching band, drum and bugle corps type. I began playing trumpet in the third grade and I joined concert band and jazz band and all those things and even marching band when I was in middle school and high school. One day at the fair, the county fair in Racine there, uh, I threw a dart and I popped a balloon and I got an LP. Uh, on it was uh, a gentleman by the name of Harry Chapin and his storytelling really struck a chord with me, I guess pun intended. And from then on, I was not only playing trumpet and listening to the likes of Maynard Ferguson, Miles Davis, Wynton Marcellus. I also started listening to Bob Dylan and Neil Young and eventually John Prine, Guy Clark, Merle Haggard, others. So as life went along, I ended up going to college and a buddy of mine who knew me from marching band asked me to come with him for one night to the big city in Milwaukee where uh, he was a part of a band that was practicing there in a really cool attic kind of exposed hill kind of in the Marquette area of Milwaukee if you're familiar. And that experience really inspired me. That was so much fun that night that I decided I really wanted to do that. But I also knew in my heart that I was a singer. And so I decided that I needed to figure out that I couldn't play trumpet and sing at the same time and decided to pick up the acoustic six string. So since about sophomore year in college, I had been playing guitar and that was probably 1992. So I've been writing songs since then, and before that actually with keys. Uh, I've got a, a few songs written on keys before that that still stick with me to this day. And uh, even though I've been doing that, I haven't really been applying that as a musician. I, uh, I did the whole, oh, I'm also in college for something else, and. I decided, I decided to learn physics, and uh, through being inspired by an astronomy teacher, and philosophy, other inspiration from a very deep-minded soul, and took that into teaching, and then what led into a software engineering career, a coding career. That provided enough stability that I actually ended up getting married. And even having three wonderful kids. That was after I moved to Colorado. There's a story in there that maybe I'll share one day. 
And one of the things in my coding career is I was performing music at various weddings, ceremonies, and work events. I was not performing live in what I would say actually doing music. I started recording a little bit, and then also at work I was doing this thing, this program called Toastmasters. I was learning how to public speak better, even though I had been a teacher. Turns out that I had little nuances of things that I should work on, like shuffling my feet and et cetera and things like that. But also I took it as a challenge as I was technically at work, but I saw it as like, oh, it's like going to play Pictionary with your workmates, except it's way cooler. You get to write a speech and try to make them laugh or think. So I did that for about five years. And then really everything hit the fan in my life. I ended up getting downsized. And also at the same time, I had to go through a divorce. So in that lowness and maybe that darkness that is the transition in life of ups and downs, Someone else emerged from my existence. It was a musician. It was somebody who was going to play professionally and figure it out and turn music into money. And uh, as I was strumming my guitar at my artist friend's house one day, back in 2016, uh, shout out to Alicia Garcia and Milos, her husband, out there. Hope you guys are doing good. <laughs> but these guys are some tremendous artists and they, they looked at me and said, hey man, you can't put down Mark at open mic night. You are Fortell. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. So that's kind of how that name emerged and how as I started to go through open mic nights, I actually ended up, people ended up calling me that and now even though I tried to step away from that name it sticks with me and I am one of those folks with the stage name here it is so thanks folks this is Fortell's Fortune Told now it's time for spotlight songwriting so songwriting is one of those things that I'll spend a good amount of time talking about because it's something that means a lot to me. And, in, and perhaps I have some words of wisdom that I can share about things. Um, the first kind of spotlight songwriting I want to do is just basically a general thought about, and my general thoughts about songwriting. First of all, I just want to say that songwriting in songs and music is art. And in art... There are no rules. Yet, when you take thousands and thousands of songs and people who live in songs and songwriting, certain rules emerge to help guide you in your no-rule journey. And of course, as an artist, it's always up to you to follow or not follow. The next thing I'd say is, oh, this thing of how much and when you should be writing songs. 
some people are very much kind of like as myself and as like Neil Young says, I'm an antenna. All of a sudden I'm picking up on a signal and I am just a, a, the antenna capturing something and writing it down. And I am, I guess, a bridge from that pure energy into something that's manifested into a song. So when that happens, that's when I sit down and write. And it could take, you know, a very short period of time, as some songs do. And sometimes it takes over a couple of weeks. Sometimes it takes over several months. And indeed, some songs evolve for years before you finally maybe think it's right. And some people argue that songs endlessly evolve. I'm not sure about that last piece because I think eventually you get to an end point. And then that song is that repeatable thing that people go to. Repeatability, that's another thing. That's kind of like a chorus rule. But, you know, verses versus choruses versus bridges, they're all lovely. They're all needed. I would say the chorus is that pure emotional impact that you want to have. The catchy phrase, the full meaning that you want with, you know, the words with multiple meaning, but the whole message. And your verses are telling stories about that. They're building tension every verse, every time you have a lyric that leads to that chorus. That chorus has a new meaning because you just told more words about it in the verse. And then the bridge is where you get to highlight some other aspect to bring us back, before you bring us back. Bridges are where you can really create a lot of good tension and interest in what's going to happen next, and yet you resolve it. And then I guess the next thing is why should you be writing? You know, a lot of people can actually go through an entire career and just learn cover songs and play cover songs. It's obviously wanted. I mean, venues for me are like, you know, we want all original. We need at least an hour and it's got to be all original. Okay. Or it's, you know, we don't want any originals. We just want covers. You know, people want to sing to you tonight. Or it's a mixture of both. And sometimes they just want you in the corner, not being in the spotlight, like maybe at a dinner gig. Sometimes, you know, you are the spotlight. And I got to say, when you get to the point where, you know, you're doing originals and your songs, you, you, you tend to really like them, you're, you're hoping they're successful. And then people listen and actually affirm that and say, man, those are great songs. Who wrote that song? That kind of thing. And you're like, it's me. I'm telling you, there's some, that's some of the best feeling out there. As an artist, um, in those moments, you've said to all the naysayers who thought you couldn't make good art, guess what? I'm making good art. People are affected. And it's also a, a pure demonstration of who you are internally. And people want to see that. When they see live music, they actually kind of like mistakes because it reminds them it's live. And yet they can be impressed that it sounds like the recording, but that intimacy of your song and what your choices are piques people's interest, certain people. 
So hopefully that's enough inspiration for you on why you should do it. Tales from the Road. Yes, these are recent gig experiences that I've had. I recently had um, the fine folks at the Estes Valley, Valley. <laughs> sorry folks, Estes Valley Sunrise Rotary Club in Estes Park, Colorado, um, hired me for the weekend to come play at their Arts and Crafts Festival. That was happening at Bond Park downtown in Estes Park. It was really an incredible gig of really just a tremendous sound system blasting up through. I had Long's Peak that I in my background, so I got to stare at the mountains as I played. Though there were mountains all the way around me, there was 360 mountain views. Um, and this is up in the mountains in Colorado, so you know there's elk poop in the park and goodness. Um, tons of people walking around and just selling the most beautiful arts and crafts work. Just unbelievable ideas by the artists and then just tons of food trucks and everything it was amazing experience and then various different songwriters and bands were playing and I had the pleasure of playing the middle slot each day of the week there and the, the Monday of Labor Day I gotta say it was one of the best gigs I've had I, I mean the sound system had something to do with it it was just this beautiful reverb it had a three speaker system with a subwoofer in the middle and just enough to really fill the whole space, but not let the vendors get too mad because you're so loud. But the vendors could hear you because all the bands got compliments from the vendors and really appreciated us, which was awesome. Fills the background noise for them, I guess, while people are shopping. And yet it's live. It's awesome. But I played uh, a song that I'm going to be closing with today called The Other Shoe up there, and that was one that really grabbed everybody. It was one of those things where the guitar was at a perfect volume and I was just happened to be in a moment where I was playing it all good. And I was singing real good and I just got a lot of attention and people saying it was beautiful and tipping me and stuff. It was just one of those beautiful moments. So love those Essex Park gigs. Hope to go back next year, actually. Thanks, Karen. Uh, yeah, so recently I went to this songwriting circles. So songwriting circles are interesting. And I'll probably spend an episode on those, but um, depending on, you know, the feel, the vibe, it can be a little bit too intimate. It could be a little bit too school-like, and, um, you know, so it's not for everybody, but this particular one was pretty good. This one's at the Firehouse Arts Center in Longmont, Colorado, and uh, my man Angel and Dwayne, uh, Angel and Dwayne, actually, both guys out there, my brother's running that. Uh, real nice to meet those folks. Um, Angel's actually a touring and performing musician I hope to interview on this show. And even Dwayne, I want to see, hear his experience with the Art Center. Um, and I'll get into guests later. I'll be talking about that. But it was a really good experience, and um, I got to perform. They actually video recorded it. Um, I haven't seen it out yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon. And um, really cool experience to hear other musicians and see what people are writing. And um, highly recommend every now and then doing it um, and just seeing... You know, you, it's good networking, but it's, it's just also t seeing where you're at amongst others as far as, you know, gigging talk, like where you're at gigging compared to them, and songwriting talk, where you are to them, and melodies, etc. It just goes on. So it's good to do every now and then. And then I've recently hold op op hosted Open Mic. Um, it's one of the things I do. I host Open Mic, 
and uh, really fun experience where I get to um, provide the stage for others who are starting out or somebody who's just looking for a place to play and share those songs with others. I've got a great open mic. Um, it's at a place called Mountain Cowboy Brewery in Frederick, Colorado. It's a brewing company. They actually roast coffee there too, but um, what a tremendous place. Just been doing business with them, hopefully that open mic for over five years now. And have some wonderful regulars, but just so many cool people that come through. It's a beautiful place. Please do come check it out if you can. It's the second and fourth Thursday of every month. Again, that's Mountain Cowboy Brewing. Fortel's Friends. So normally I'll have guests here. I have a really great guest coming up for episode two. It's uh, a band I play with called Defunct Railroad. And uh, my brothers and sister in that band, I'll be interviewing and going through this process. I'm going to present all these bands and famous people from local areas and around, um, around the scene that I know. And uh, it's going to be kind of like inside the actor's studio, James Lipton kind of style, if you know what I mean where I'll be asking these same four questions to all of these musicians and letting them speak on what they mean to them and just letting them riff. And maybe they'll answer one, maybe they'll answer all four, or maybe I'll have to come up with others. I'm not sure. But since um, this is this first episode and this is kind of about me, Fortel, um, I'm going to start. So pretend I'm James Lipton, right? Here we go. Why do you do music? a great question James <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reasons I think when I was a kid I always would go to concerts and uh, see artists musicians and uh, I always have this feeling that I wasn't supposed to be out in the audience I uh, that I was supposed to be on stage and that's really persisted through my whole life. And I think now that I'm a professional, uh, there's a lot of memes out there about that where you know, musicians who are in crowds are not really happy. They, they want to be on stage. They want to be the person. So there's always been that. So that's just something that's core in me. I'm not really sure why. You can talk all about psychology and everything, but, but it's led to music, nothing else. So there's something about music. It's definitely been part of my family, but... Um, you know, why do I do it? Well, I'd say another reason is that it's saved my life, literally, at least a few times. I talked about earlier um, about how I had to go through a divorce, unfortunately. Um, but that low moment, um, and I'm not going to get into the details, but it was ugly. And I took the nervous energy and... I started shaking my hand on my guitar and strumming my guitar instead of just not knowing what to do with energy and running and biking and everything. I started strumming guitar and then I started saying, well, why am I doing this at home? I can go down to Pearl Street in Boulder and pl just do this for tips. You just sit here and practice, but maybe make some money. And then I started playing open mics and then I started getting gigs and then I got an agent and it just kept going and going and going. So... That's how I, I guess that's kind of how I got into it. I, I mean, why do I do it still? Well, it's something that's who I am. And then also, 
Um, there's a lot of reasons. This is this might be the only question I get to. Um, so I have about five hours of music rec- like memorized, like from my heart, you know. And people say like, you know, if you put it in your heart, that's where it comes from when you play it again. And I, it's really true. I I don't use any music. I don't use any lyric sheets. It's all from memory. And uh, there's moments that you get into when you're doing things like that um, where you're hitting all the chords and you're hitting all your lyrics and you're singing good, you're feeling it. And there's this thing about music where it's like this epitome of living in the now. And I think people in the sports industry call it um, the zone. But when I'm feeling it and I'm doing, you know, those multiple hour gigs that I do, um, it's really a tremendous feeling to get into that feeling. It's a sense of focus and vitality that I just can't explain really beyond that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just who I am and there's just subtle things that I just truly love about it. That's why I do it. Who are your influences? Well, I talked about John Prine and Guy Clark. Really like John's quirky songwriting and his um, his voice and his simple manner. Guy is just tremendous. I mean, I don't know where music would be without Guy. He um, just songwriting, sensibility, feeling. Um, place and time, really great, really amazing stuff that I try to emulate. Neil Young is just incredible. Um, you know, he's hit or miss on his voice. I learned that people don't, not everybody likes his voice, but I just, I'm so into his songwriting and his guitar playing and his chords and his, it's just, um, his whole package again, place and time, feeling, it's just amazing. Um, Merle Haggard has come to me as a great songwriter recently. I just really enjoy, um, his thoughts, his, his yearning. I think it is. There's a lot of yearning in his stuff that people really relate to. I think that's why I like it is just how people relate to Merle. Um, Dylan obviously is such a tremendous songwriter, um, Robert Hunter and Jerry Garcia, I would be remiss without saying those two. Oh, my God. Um, Towns, goodness. I'm forgetting so many. It's only one podcast, though, but those are my influences. What is one of your favorite songs and why? Well, it's this song that I'm going to play to close the show out tonight. It's called The Other Shoe, and it's just a beautiful guitar riff that I happen to be that antenna to and create, and it's a really nice little riff that has tension and resolves all in its little way, and I really like the lyrics, and which are about balance and um, 
serenity and love, really, um, and a hopefulness for it. So that's it. It's the other shoe. Any advice or words of wisdom for others? Yeah, for that, I'd say, you know, if you truly love it, keep going. There, This business is rough. There's no doubt about it. You are going to deal with some serious BS. And humbling experiences and experiences you shouldn't have to go through and some experiences no one should have to go through. It's ugly. And yet, if you truly love it, it's endlessly beautiful. It's an experience, it's, a, it's an opportunity to show art and to be an artist. And it's another opportunity to go turn music into money. It's just tremendous. And so be persistent. Um, don't give up. That's really the key. And um, like I said, as if you love it, just keep doing, keep going. Just keep going. That brings us to the end of this episode of Four Tales Fortune Told. Thank you so very much, as I certainly appreciate y'all listening today. And feel free to interact more at foretellmusic.com. But for now, I'll send you into the sunset with my song, The Other Shoe. Hope your journey is as expected. We're getting ready to go. Not much left, what's left will forego. Lock the door, the timing's right. Let's drive towards the sunlight. On a ride.
Dancing. Mm-hmm. 